Hi, I'm Christina, the CEO at Scopio, the largest library of authentic photos. You can find us on Instagram at Scopio Images, and this is a series bringing the most talented photographers around the world to give us tips, ideas, and tell us about current events they really care about. We know you will find actionable, real steps to build your career and ideas. Hope you enjoy. Hey, hey Val. How are you? Pretty good. Happy to be here. So my name is Val. Uh, actually, the legal name is Valentin, but nobody says that uh, anymore. Um, okay. I was born. I was born in um, in a village called Shoimosh. That's really in Transylvania, Romania. And uh, I'm now based in London, working for Cloudflare as a community manager. And my biggest hobby, actually, I think the only hobby I ever except IT is photography. Um, and I just travel back and forth from Cluj, Transylvania, where my family is, to London and back and so forth. So, so tell us about um, a little bit about how uh, you started this hobby or what interests you in it. Back in the day, in communist time, I don't know how many of you live in a former communist country, but for us, having a camera, having or even taking photos was very prohibitive because you would have to be approved by the party to be an official photographer of some sort. Or, you know, if you, if you attended an event, you were just there to enjoy and watch without taking photos unless you had special license, special approval. Um, and then right after communism fell in 1999, 1990, sorry, mm. um, there were all these people coming into the country, trying to help, trying to, you know, bring food, supplies and all that. And one of this, uh, one of this group uh, was uh, having with them a photographer. And he gave me a Mamiya, a Japanese camera. You know, everything was handheld. Maybe for the fans out there who know Mamiya, very good camera. And he said, I want to pay you because I was translating for them. So they spoke German and I was translating for the local authorities. And I was about 15, 14, something. Wow. Um, and he said, well, this is the gift, you know, he said, how can I pay you for your translating services? And I said, I don't want any money. It's fine. You know, I'm just doing it because I'm, I want to help my country and so on. And he said, look, I'm not going to take this camera back to Germany with me. It's yours. Oh. So I was like, okay, now I have to learn. So, you know, trying to look up for user guides and all that <laughs> was pretty fun. So everything was on film. And there was this photographer in the same city with us. He was doing everything. Uh, weddings, baptisms, you know, all that, funerals, <laughs> everything. And uh, I said, can I learn? Can I just go with you, see how you do, see how you frame stuff, why you're taking a specific shot and not the other one and so on. And I just, I have no former photography, you know, education, but everything was trial and error, trial and error, and essentially just got to my soul. And I just loved it. So when I need, when I need a moment to just get, out of my daily routine. We live maybe five minutes walk from the forests in Transylvania. I just walk into the forest, take my camera with me and you can lose me for hours. <laughs> so you like to, to be by yourself? Is it something relaxing for you? It's very relaxing. Uh, I have two particular types of photography that I enjoy taking. It's street photography, one of them. I've been a founding member in Romania of the 24 hour project. Uh, maybe you've heard of it. So it's 24 hours every year, once a year, where you just take photos, one photo each hour, and you post it to Instagram. And you do that for 24 hours straight, no sleeping, no, you know, nothing, just boom, boom, boom. Uh, but you that's take between the hours and wake up, right? 
<laughs> well, you, you you still can sleep like in between shots or something, yeah, but yeah. not really, not really a lot. And uh, the second one is I like to take uh, photos of of people in like you know, in the park or like two ladies talking on a bench or something that is very in the moment. And then I approach them and I say, look, this is the shot I just took of you. Uh, may I use it? Or would you like to use it? Or And everybody's like, oh, oh my God, it's so great. Because if they don't know you're taking the photo, but then you still approach them and say, look, I took this photo. I'm not going to be you know, a creep and just run away with the photos. Uh, they really appreciate it. And I've never had some, never in my, I don't know, almost 20 years of taking photos. I've never had somebody say, oh, you know, don't take my photo, stop it. What are you doing? You know, because it's just the way you approach people. You can see from the distance if somebody's going to be, you know, interested or not interested in being, you know, a subject <laughs> on your photography. So you have a lot of different things that you shoot. Uh, what was like your favorite thing that you've ever done? Um, my favorite photo ever, even to this day, is a photo I took in Sri Lanka. Um, I was on the on a beach on Indian Ocean, and there was this kid, maybe nine, ten, I don't think more, was just playing in the waves. It was almost sunset. It's it's a very powerful, you know, sunset scene. There's nothing in there. It's almost dark, and then just the the sun almost falling into the ocean. And he was just playing, playing into the waves, like actually jumping around, you know, splashing the water. And then at one moment, it turns away and he sees the sun setting, like that beautiful scenery that I was observing from across the beach. Mm -hmm. And he, he goes with, I have no idea what local language they speak or how, you know, I, I had no idea. But the sound he made was, wow. It's just a wow, like everybody does. <laughs> And he just turned around and started splashing water again. And then I heard his dad, some, you know, blah, 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 something. And then, like, like, I assumed that the father was sort of a searching for him. And now he found him. He's like, okay, let's go home. Enough from playing. And I got that shot. And then I went and I stopped the dad. And I said, look, this is the photo I took of your son enjoying the sunset without actually knowing what's behind him. And then when he noticed the sun, that moment when he says, wow, that's when I took the shot. I had a 7200 from Sony with me. And it's just... That's the, the one photo, it's in my heart forever. And I sent it to them as a huge, you know, photo printed really? and they, they loved it. I don't know how it got to him, but he wrote back saying, thank you so much, I got it. And, you know, he, they keep it in the house and it was really powerful. And it's somewhere on my Instagram feed. I can send you the link if you want to share it later, but uh, the most beautiful story in any of my photography so far. Wow, that's super powerful. I love like the, the children photography is always so different because there's such a wonder and an innocence to it that if you can capture that, it's just like so amazing. Um, and, and it's very good to be friends or friendly, like especially because it's, you know, we're living in a very sensitive time and everything that is happening for a photographer to capture moments that are not agreed by the subject is really creepy and really bad. And I'd never recommend anyone doing it. So if that if that parent, for example, would say something like, "Why are you taking photos of my son without, you know, approval or something?" I would just delete it in front of him and say, "Sorry, you know, I really apologize." But I, ex I actually explained what I saw. It was just one frame. I didn't have time to do two or three or more. How do you develop that character? I know a lot of people are shy, especially like more artist types. Uh, I think it takes it. it 
takes not necessarily something in your DNA, but it takes a lot of exercise. So asking somebody, you know, can I take your photo is not enough. You should have on you some sort of either your phone with some photos that you took already of similar characters or similar setups. Like if you're on a CD on a street somewhere and you try to take a lot of portraits, for example, you can show them. This is, these are my latest five portraits that I took. If you like them, can I take one because I'm doing a series or I'm doing a gallery or whatever. But don't lie, but have a very good story, <laughs> you know, basically. <laughs> so don't say something that is stupid or is awkward or is inappropriate. Like for the 24-hour project, for example, uh, last year we had a topic. That, that project. That started in uh, Los Angeles about, I think, eight or seven, eight years ago by some local photographer and just... Last year, we had 17,000 photographers participating wow. in have, 62 have, countries. Have you been able to meet any of them in person? No, just over four. I mean, I meet the ones that come to our city or if I go somewhere else, like in London, for example, I participated once already. But it's, it's not something to meet physically, but everybody actually watches the hashtag. So you see, oh, a new photo, where from? Iran. Oh, this one is from Australia. Oh, this was in for Canada. This wow. one is Germany. So it's just really amazing. And last year, the theme of the project was women. So empowering women. And then, of course, you had to go out there and find women on the street and talk to them and ask them to allow you to take their photo. So what do you do at 4, 5, 6 a.m. in the <laughs> middle of the city? Where do you find women that actually are, you know, allow you to take their photos? So I remember this. It was like a, a discotheque, like, a, you know, a, a place where people dance in the night. Oh, yeah. And I went, I went there. And the moment I saw a woman or a girl, you know, coming out with what it looked like uh, her boyfriend, I said to the guy, I said, you have a beautiful girlfriend. And I'm taking this photo. Can I take photo of her? And then I can take well, a portrait of both. Uh, because it's it's very it's a different world here and traditionally here you can't talk directly to a woman unless you have approval from the husband first or boyfriend. Yeah. So what I would do is to pay respect to the local tradition. I ask him if I'm okay to address her because if he says sure, then I can ask her, can I take your photo? But not before that. I think yeah. it depends on what country and you know where you go, yeah, sure. but that's also a, a skill you have to develop because you never know in which country what local tradition yeah. you know can mean. Yeah, I mean that sounds exciting. Like the projects like that for you, and it's it's yeah. super interesting. Like you're, I've never heard a story. I mean, I've heard a lot of stories, but the ones about you starting or the way you started that somebody really like. I feel like that's in a book where somebody gives you a <laughs> camera and it's like, here you go, good luck. I still, have, I still have that Mamiya camera. I think I took, I don't know, thousands of photos with it. And you know, at one point the, uh, the mirror, it has like a very thin sort of a foamy support to it, like on the back where, you know, it goes up and down. And then that material disintegrated, I mean, after <laughs> so many years. So yeah. what I did was I took, um, uh, I don't know, like the packaging where you, when you get like the, the batteries, you know, they have that specific sort of a plastic, very uh, thin uh, packaging. And I cut it out with a razor and I glued it in there just to make sure that I have enough support for the mirror. And then I cut it out with my scissors. And it's just like, you know, microscopical surgical processes mm -hmm. because I had no money to buy another camera. So I had to make sure that that one worked. 
so wow. I can go back to baptisms and weddings. Yeah. And that's how I paid for uh, our wedding when we got married 17 years ago. I Everything that was, you know, dress, food, location, music, everything was paid out of that camera. And it's really? still working. So you, start, so you started a business with it at some point. So you got your camera at like, what, 15, 16? And then when you're at 18, <laughs> asking people if you can go shoot their weddings and their baptisms? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How would you do that? Like, tell, walk, walk me through your 18-year-old self. 18-year-old well, self. So, so I was in high school, last year of high school, 12th grade. And uh, we were getting ready to graduate, right? So I go to the principal and I say, do we have a photographer to take photos of when we graduate? And he's like, no, we don't have budget for that. I'm like, I can do it for free. But if you like it, you'll pay me to come back every year for five years. You know, wow. to get it. What every you other know, you locked them in and for he, a five-year contract that's pretty smart. he said he said absolutely because he was sure that he's not going to like it because he'd never seen any of my photos like you don't back then it was no digital photography so you had to actually come up with like your booklet or you know printed yeah. photos would you print so, them book and everything you made your own yeah sure well not my own but i have to go to a shop and do it but you know everything i i was i was doing was just taking photos but imagine high school nobody really cared like back then there was no selfie there was no you know you know filled lips and you know all those faces nobody really <laughs> cared as long as as long as you had one big no group point. with everybody in it that was fine yeah and then what i did was i was encouraging especially you know all these classmates of mine who were you know in a way test subjects i said would you like me to take a portrait of you and they're like what do I use it for? I'm 18. Like, what do I need a portrait for? Imagine this is 20 wow. something years ago and people were asking, what do I need a portrait for? And I said, well, maybe you want to apply for a job so you can save it and use it when you actually can, you, you would have to staple it on a yeah. CV and then submit it somewhere for a job. And I, I had four, do that, by the way. <laughs> I had four colleagues who wrote back to me or one of them called me and said, I got a job because of your photo. And I was like, see, <laughs> see, it worked. <laughs> that, that's amazing. So you did that. And then when did you start working in technology? So uh, I always had a passion for you know, the internet and web hosting and domain registrations and you know, all that. Uh, I, I was already running my own. How do you like the internet? I always liked the internet because it was such a rare commodity. So when I was on my ninth grade, which is... 15, 16, something, 16 years old. That's when internet got to Romania. And that's when I visited the first internet cafe. So imagine me going in front of a computer because I had a cassette tape of this singer from the United States of America who I really loved his music. His name is Carmen. And I wanted, on the back of the cassette tape, it had a www.carmen.org. And I was like, what is that? Like, I speak English, but I've never heard this word, www dot, like what, what does it stand for? Wow. So some, my physics teacher said, this is an internet address. <laughs> I was like, In internet address, what is internet address? So he's like, there's this internet cafe that opened up 47 kilometers away from my city. So I had to actually take a bike and go there. Mm. 
And I went inside and I, there was a girl and there was 18 stations and there was nobody there because nobody really knew what internet was. And you had and to they pay just, for it too, the internet. I had to pay for it, yes. And yeah. I said, can I sit down and use the internet? <laughs> and even the fact that I said the internet, she was like, oh my God, first time here? I was like, yes. Yeah. So, she, so she said, come over, <laughs> sit down. You, you get a free half an hour, just, you know, whatever, do whatever you need. So I sat in front of the computer for, I don't know, three minutes watching. If you remember, the Windows 98 was just swirling around logo, like a GIF. Yeah. And I was just watching, watching, watching. And then she came over and she said, why don't you use the internet? I'm like, I'm waiting for it to start. <laughs> <laughs> so so she, what she did was she moved the mouse a bit and boom. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, that, that was the level 20 years ago. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and then, and then. But did you uh, ever go to I, the website? Did you see the art? The, yeah, what it was the artist I, What do they have up there? Uh, just the website saying if you want to, you know, book uh, to come to his shows or go to a live concert. Uh, and buy his cassette tapes. I mean, there were no CDs back then. But you couldn't buy it online. You just It was just probably no. the schedule. The schedule. You have to wire money to a bank account that they had up there, and then you would get... But there was no way for us from Romania to wire money internationally without being an adult you know, agreement. Yeah. It's just... So I was like, never mind. I just wrote him a letter, an actual letter. And I said, I've been to the internet, and I saw your website. I can't afford your music, but I love you. God bless, uh, whatever. And then he sent back four cassette tapes of him for free. Yeah. And two of them were just the music. So I could translate the lyrics and we were singing the songs in our church in Romanian based on the music he sent. And I had approval to use it as a trademark, as a copyrighted material. So because he was just impressed by the fact that nobody actually ever wrote to him from Romania and not yeah. in a way of, you know, there was very fun for him. I, I, I just, I, I'm just imagining when they got the letter and somebody, you know, read it out and they just started laughing in the office. It's like, who's this guy? Like, where are these? Yeah. I heard there's artists now that are just Venmoing their fans' money that are in trouble, like from COVID. That, that's like the funnest thing probably about being a musician. It could be something very interesting and it could be something that touches your fan base in a way that, you know, it's also helpful but fun in the same way. Yeah. Uh, what is the social media consulting that you do now? So right now I'm working for Cloudflare. Cloudflare is a security company. Works out of uh, the you know started in the U.S. but now it's pretty much all over the world. Yeah. But I I do the community management side, but I also consult and you know advise people on anything related to social media. But my particular focus what right is now is yeah. What is community management for those? Community management means engaging uh, all the. Uh, company fans and followers on social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, so on, generating yeah. content for them, managing the blog, managing the relationship with bloggers, you know, whoever writes on the blog. And we have 40 something active bloggers all the time. So wow. it's a lot, it's a lot to process. But right now I'm focusing on what are they about? technology, DDoS protection, you know, uh, security issues, uh, how to make your website faster, how to protect your business, how to work from home. I mean, now it's COVID, everybody works remote and we have specific products that actually help businesses allow their employees to work from home safely and securely. Uh, but right now I really focus on educating teenagers because I have two teenagers, uh, kids my, my, of my own, you know, 13 and 15. So I try to 
if you have seen the social documentary on Netflix, uh, that's something yeah, that is really, it. it's wow. really big right now. And it's something that I have a lot of parents coming to me and teachers and asking me, can you teach us? Can you show us and what, how much of this is true? Like, are they really tracking us? And of course you can go crazy and say, yes, they're tracking and we're all slaves and because we're not. I mean, you can still say no. Nobody actually forces the phone down your throat saying you have to use it for, you know, 22 out of 24 hours. But but it's a process and it's, it's a huge help for me. The fact that my wife being a psychologist can help sort of a, you know, like allow allows me to have the specific wording when I speak to teenagers, especially because she's a mom. Like moms are great and moms know so much and we have no idea fathers uh, of how to actually speak sometimes or what to say to kids. Yeah. Uh, that's why I always like to say, listen to your wives. Like if you have a wife, listen <laughs> to her. Or if you have a mom or, you know, like the woman well, in your life that well, knows. We should cut this up and distribute it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No worries, you can do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that so you've been doing projects like that, or how do you do? You have like, is that in person? So, um, so have you tried to make a usually video, I go like, and a YouTube video about it, explaining? I I hate seeing myself on videos. Like I just I I don't know. My voice is so really funny and is just something that I'm not really used to, but I know people usually take videos of me when I go and speak physically, like on schools or churches or, you know, youth groups or camps and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I usually get <clears throat> the leaders calling me and say, can you talk about social media? Can you talk about how to secure your social profiles? Can you talk about all this nonsense of, you know, phone dependency and social media dependency? And uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of parents who have no idea what their life could be like if they were actually friends with their children, meaning yeah. actual friends. Because what they do is they, they sort of, a, you know, creep their kids on social media, trying to see what they post about, you know, who they talk to, instead yeah. of just asking them, so tell me, you know, how many have, how many friends you have? Or who's your best friend? How many friends you have online? Who do you talk to? I hear stories of people and, and parents just sort of a, you know, going crazy because uh, their daughter or their son was approached by a pedophile or, you know, wow. it, of course, very, very slight, very light, very you know, non-intrusive initially, and then starts getting bigger and bigger. And then they have screenshots and photos of their kids. And then they threaten wow. to show that to all their friends and so on. So photography as really anything in, all the time. Photography as anything else in technology can be used for good or bad. Yeah. It's not the tool, it's what you do with it. I always say that. But if you love social media, you mm -hmm. can't do that unless you love people as well. So if you do photography, if you do internet content, if you speak to people, if you listen to people, even better if you listen to people, you need to love them because that's something that is genuine. That's something that people feel immediately. You can't fake a good listener, you just can't. You can't fake a good speaker. You can speak for ages and nobody will listen anyways. But you can you cannot fake a good listener. There's no way. Yeah. No, I mean with everything else. I mean a lot of people say, oh, the internet, it's like so bad. But obviously, it's just bringing out what we are. So the more positive voices that are out there, the more content that's uplifting, 
the everything we do online has offline consequences i always tell kids this everything we do online has offline consequences and also because we run a charity for almost 13 years i always tell people this a like on facebook does not equal a dollar donated or a shoebox donated to a child does not it helps it helps bring your message to some other people maybe when you share and so on but if you like on social media and your heart in a way is okay i'm satisfied i did something you yeah. did nothing that child will still go to bed starving yeah because your like does nothing but it's great when because you... now we have so many different opportunities to help like everyone's going to help you know they things that they care about you, you know they can choose that so that's that's good you can you know now like, we have options we have exactly, options to have package options. the way we do good that's true yeah that's true and you can do it in so many different things content of course has its like special special ways in which that we can help too and we can help with photography because that's something i really love we can help people uh have their stories told or or seen or listened or you know, me, make it visible tell me about your story tell me about how you can make storytelling better because a lot i see a lot of photographers or artists they take great photos but they they're not able to share their stories what advice do you have to like actually make the story stronger or let people hear that story so what i do always i i don't know if i have a good advice or bad advice but what i do personally yeah is i never think of the rule of you know whatever framing whatever lighting i mean look at me i'm in a bad light right now i don't care but what's the most important thing is think before you press that trigger on the on, on you know on the shutter of the camera what do you want to send away from that shot what do you want people to understand beyond what they see for me for example i try to always when i post something on instagram my photos always have long detailed captions because people need to understand they might not they might understand like in the first second when they see a photo they was like oh that's a nice sunset but then they scroll and they see the story and they hear about that boy who was playing for 10 minutes in the waves and then he turned around oh my god such a great sunset and boom then he turns around goes back playing and then his dad comes and they found i mean all that story you you never see that if you just double tap like and you move forward but again telling great stories is is you know is is a combination of you telling it and somebody listening or understanding because if you just tell a great story and there's nobody there to listen and understand it's just going to be a very good story that nobody knows about it's just that story when somebody says if a tree falls in the forest without nobody seeing it did it actually fell <laughs> you know is it is it is it is it really happened i mean do you just put it on instagram or do you put it other places the stories i have a lot of places where i put it so i put it on twitter facebook linkedin i have an account on 500px and you know now on scope.io and you know so many other places where i i post my photos but there's many places where they just want the actual photo and they care about what's in the frame but i'm more keen to share and participate in the forums or on facebook on groups where people actually ask what's the context 
There's a very interesting group on Facebook that I encourage your listeners to participate if they want. Yeah. What do you see from your window? It started during the pandemic and it's now hundreds of thousands of people there. And it's just amazing to scroll through every morning and see somebody from Nicaragua, you know, waking up and taking a photo from their window and explaining yeah. in the caption what they see, where they are, what's the time of the day, you know, what country, city they're in. And then it's like, in a way, because everybody's locked in their houses right now, nobody's actually traveling, but you are traveling through those photos because you can see yeah. Nicaragua and then five seconds later, you can see a photo from Canada and then you can see a photo, you know, two minutes later from, I don't know, Antarctica or somebody from Romania, like me in Transylvania in the woods. And it's just bringing passion and it's bringing life in a, in a situation and in a time where, look at us, we're inside. Everybody's inside. And it doesn't look like we're going to move outside for you know, many months to come, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, which, which is a great opportunity to do some online storytelling, I think, for sure, and build those connections. Yes. Not all, like, there's some advice that some people say, build as many friends online as you can during the pandemic. Then you'll have more friends when it's over instead of you know, sitting and waiting in real life to... It's, I mean, it's it, very and true. It's also learning about the world, like uh, so many people are just missing that uh, discovery process. So it's great to hear that there's some Facebook groups like that. Um, and also, when you submit your photos on Scopio, you can also add the story to the the upload. I did yesterday. I uploaded yesterday a few of the photos. Yeah, yeah. So the stories will be actually under your picture, and people can read them there. But nice. if you want separate stories, upload different times because. The story gets linked to all that submission. Of okay, it. makes sense. So, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank I you for having you. me. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people will, will love to hear like all this advice. And um, uh, always happy to share. Meet you soon. Thank you so much. Bye bye. I'm Christina, the CEO at Scopio. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Scopio Images. Head over to Scopio, S-C-O-P.io for access to the world's largest library of authentic images. Scope them out. And if you're a photographer, don't forget to sign up to get the world to use your diverse images. Thanks and see you next week.